0: Basic instructions before leaving Earth. This is Bible Radio, the Internet Radio Ministry of Calvary Chapel St. Paul in Minnesota. And this is Sunday Morning Live. Calvary Chapel St. Paul is a non denominational church dedicated to the teaching and living out of God's Word. And now, Sunday Morning Live. We'll be in uh, Acts chapter 16. We're going to pick it back up in chapter 15. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and that, uh, God, that we can come here together, worship you, study your word, build each other up. God, just be encouraged by you. And so thank you, Lord, for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, they're heading out, uh, Barnabas and Paul, and we see in verse 39 in chapter... uh, 15, that there was a contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. I'm uh, not sure, I think I can't remember if Mark is uh, Barnabas' cousin or nephew. I, I, I want to say nephew, but I think it's his cousin now. Uh, but uh, he, he bailed on their first trip. And so this contention happened. And what we're going to see through the rest of the book of Acts is really the Apostle Paul and what the church, and, and just think of what that's like, you know, uh, here Barnabas has been leading the church in Antioch here. He'd been leading the first, what we would call a missionary journey, but they were out there to get people saved and, uh, and uh, get the churches, the people, uh, whether they were meeting in buildings or not, we're going to see here in Acts chapter 16, uh, uh, another way of doing something. And so they parted company and the, the contention was it. Now we're going to see reconciliation later. For those of you who were with us on Thursday nights, we're going to see some other things that have happened in Barnabas' life and Paul will need to talk to him uh, there in the book of Galatians as he writes that letter. And he has to recount some things of what happened when he went to Galatia. And that was on, their, on his third, again, we use the word mission or missionary, uh, but his third, uh, again, going around planting more churches and encouraging the churches that have been started there. And so they depart. And now that we see that, that it picks up Timothy here, well, we're also going to see here that Luke now starts to join them because we, hear, we see in verse 10 of chapter 16, uh, and then after he uh, had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia in surely gathering that the Lord, and surely gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. There's many attempts that Paul tried to go into what we're going to call uh, Europe, Uh, crossing the dandrills there and going into uh, the European invasion. They're going to see churches being planted there. And there was things that it just wasn't the time to do that. And I shared with you last week, uh, uh, you know, I had endeavors. I had things I wanted to do, but yet it wasn't the time. And until God gives you that uh, green light, until God equips you for that, until God calls you and says you to do that, then you go do that. But then when he does call you to do that, go do that. Uh, and now you have a mission. Now you have a vision. And now you have these things. And again, as I'm sharing with you, as coming here to uh, St. Paul, I had a burden. I have a burden for the loss wherever I go. <laughs> Guys who traveled with me this last couple of weeks found that one out. I have a burden for the loss wherever I go. But I had a specific vision for St. Paul, and and the and the, the vision there. The, there was a there was at one time a sharp contention between me and my best friend Mike. Uh, because I came here, I thought I was coming here to assist him. And when I'm showing him all the vision, he's like, no, I think you're going to do that. And I, and I really didn't want to do that because I didn't want to be a senior pastor. I liked being an assisting pastor, a really good assisting pastor. And then when I got in trouble, it was the pastor's fault. He hired me. Uh, I loved that role. I, was, I did well in that role. Uh, and then my other role was, whatever happened to the church, well, my pastor is going to stand before God and give an account of the church and not me. And so, again, uh, but it it took us a few months to work these things out between us, and and really, it really came down to me being a bonehead of just not wanting to do this. Um, I really thought it, but Mike had already moved the church to the other side of town, and yet I was called to St. Paul. So months before we moved here, we started the first Bible study with him here when we visited in 1988 and thought we were coming then and by then, just uh, God had led him to go to that other side of town where he is now. Some of you, I don't know who went there for the church split. Uh, but there was a contention. Not like Barnabas and, and Saul, or Barnabas and Paul. Uh, it was just confusing. But again, figuring these things out. I, I just want to give you the end of the story. I did start to, the church in St. Paul, and I'm the pastor today. All right, so I just want to, just in case you were wondering what happened with that story, things worked out. All right. Uh, but yet... Uh, there's these things of, of that contention, and then there's these things of like, well, h- how do we get into this? How do we get into that? Someone was asking us, uh, or asking me uh, a while back about uh, the coffee house. Been there 25 years now, and 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 here's the thing, church, that that someone called the coffee house, someone who used to be a neighbor next door uh, believer. Uh, he used to hold his business meetings there. He was a home health care. Uh, Business and he would do all the CPR training there, and he would work with his uh, personal assistants and uh, healthcare assistants, and and it was just great. And his brother passed away. And he calls up and says, hey, can we do a memorial service there? Sure. Been working on it for the last couple of weeks. I'm gonna meet with him this week, so keep me in prayer, but maybe you could say a few words. But this is what's happening now, um, not just in my life, but in the church's life. People look for me because chick all uh, met people in in the bahamas this last week well how would i find you my name is chick c-h-i-k yeah do that and and put calvary chapel in my name's just gonna pop up that's the footprint there i'm the only chick who pastors the calvary chapel <laughs> all right and the, see they all laugh too as well all right? and right they're like what and and some people well, i, I kind of know the name calvary chapel Well, just just but just do a search engine for pastor chick. Uh, so pester chick, that's the term of endurment between us. But so, so, but there could be things that happen. There could be um, things that were holding them up. And, and then he finally sees his vision and he goes in and we see in verse 10 of chapter 16 and again, gives us this journey there. And then they come to Philippi verse 12. So this is where we pick it up and where we left it off last week. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a, and a colony. And, and we were in that city abiding there certain days. Praying, waiting certain days. Uh, obviously, what you do here, we're, gonna, we're going to look out the thing. Listen, they're not, uh, they're not spying out the land. I want you to understand. I want you to be good Bible students here. That's an Old Testament term. That's what the children did. They went into the promised land to spy it out. Bad, bad thing, all right? When people say, let's spy out the land, no, bad. When people say, hmm, let's put a fleece before the Lord, bad, bad, that was not a good thing with Gideon putting and challenging the Lord, bad thing. Do you, do you, I, I learned early on, a uh, Kimberly and I, you know, she lived in Tucson. I was in Oceanside, and, and one time I gave her a necklace. It was the, the, the heart broken in half. And it was that thing about Jacob and his, and his, and his father-in-law Laban. And it says, hey, you know, in the verse there, may the Lord watch over us until we're we're brought back together. Oh, a lot of Christian jewelers made that. And I think that's beautiful. Our hearts have it. And I'm going to have, I'm not going to wear my part of the necklace. I'll keep it somewhere else. But you keep your heart. And when our hearts come and you connect that little jewelry up together, our hearts together. And then I started reading the Bible. And then I went to that passage. And it wasn't like uh, Laban and Jake, it wasn't like Laban saying, hey, until we come back together, you got my daughter, and stuff like that. It was Laban says, you dirty, rotten, sneaking little thief, maybe God, watch over you! And if you better watch, I mean, it was just a warning. You're taking cattle, you're taking all this kind of stuff, and until we meet again, guy's eyes are on you. So I asked Kimberly to stop wearing that, because it's a it's a misapplication of scripture. And then, and then you're, gonna, you're gonna, you read the book of Philippians, you know, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's not what it means. Oh, those are the words. But Paul was speaking to the Philippians. That's not a Bible promise for you and I. You ever, you ever go through and look at the books and say, hey, promises of God, and like, well, the mitzvah that I just told you about the broken heart and jewelry, some people put that as a promise. Oh, it's a promise? Yeah, God's gonna watch over you, you dirty, <laughs> sneaky thief. Yeah, you're gonna get yours someday. So that's not really why I was trying to convey to my future wife. This is, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Well, this is where it's gonna happen here in Philippi. Because if you read Philippians early on, it's because of their sacrifice. Paul was commenting on that. They, they gave out of their, not out of their, their, their abundance, but they gave out of their want. They continued to do the work of the ministry, and they supported them. it said, my God should supply. Where God guides, God provides. And so from thence, the Philippi, which is a chief city. Now, again, remember, Philippi was the decisive battle that uh, the Roman Empire won. Again, they were a civil war that was going on. But Philippi sided with them, so he gave them colony status. In other words, when you're in Philippi, you're in Rome. It's just like if you haven't visited a United States embassy in some other country, when you're on the United States embassy, that's America. That's America. You should get to the embassy as quickly as you can, and you are on American soil. That's what it is. It's interesting. When you're in an embassy or uh, a military base, uh, you can uh, pick up a phone, and you can just dial uh, like a local number. Like you're just calling somebody local in the United States. There's none of this going through the switchboard and going to international calling. Uh, you can call just as local uh, as there. And so uh, everything is American. When you go on to an American embassy, it doesn't matter what country you're in, if, there's, if they're driving on the wrong side of the road, which I was in the Bahamas, they were. Uh, when you get on an American base, when you get on uh, the U.S. embassy, you're, you're, you're in America, all right? When you go to the, you know, when you go to the U.S. embassy... In Australia, when you flush the toilet, it goes the way that Americans. No, I don't know about that, (laughs) the swirl. All right, it doesn't go the opposite way. Got you on that one. All right. Listen, he's there at Philippi. They're in Rome. Now, this is important that you understand this that they're in Rome. This is Roman law. This is a Roman city. This is Rome. Everything about it is Rome. And so, Here they are, and so, uh, and on verse 13, and verse 13, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now, there's some traditions that started up because of the synagogues, because of rabbinical Judaism. They they came up with things because there was no temple there, so they, they improvised and adapted and overcame that there was no temple to sacrifice at. And so they came up with a man-made religion called Judaism, not Mount Sinai, Moses, but rabbinical Judaism. So let's just make the best of a bad situation. They should have been in mourning that their temple was destroyed and God, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord had departed. That's what Ichabod means. It's not a sleepy, hollow, uh, headless horseman story. Ichabod, it means the glory's departed. They should have been mourning over that well before the temple was destroyed, but they kept putting their their hopes that this temple was here so Jerusalem wouldn't be uh, destroyed because, you know, that's where God's holy temple is. But if you read your Bibles and you understand, God created the temple for them. He didn't need it. Then he gave them, says, okay, if you're going to do the temple, well, then you're going to build it this way. And it's all representation of him and, and of heaven. But that was a point of contact for them. Remember, God never wanted them to have a king, but they rebelled and they... He came to Samuel the prophet and God had to speak to Samuel and says, Samuel, they're not rebelling against you and your leadership as a as a as a priest here. They're rebelling against me. They wanted to have a king. What did they say? Like the other nations. So he gave them a king that they wanted. That was Saul. Do you know in Israel today when I ask people who's your first king, they all say David? Saul has been eradicated from their memory. Because it, it just didn't work out. You, you and I, evangelicals, we know more of the Old Testament than those who are in Israel today and even practice Judaism. It's, they, they count to David. And so here, the things that started was, is that if there's not a minion, 10 devout Jewish men who want to keep Torah, want to keep law, keep kosher, then, then you can't start a synagogue. And you need Torah scrolls. If whatever dispersed country you're in, the way that you're going to find each other is you're going to go by a body of water about a mile or two outside the city. And you said, how would they know there would be a river there? Listen, this is in the day and age. We have, you know, all our towns are named after the, you know, the water towers, right? Uh, That's how when I'm flying, I can fly my, I can find myself across the country. I just, all the towns have named themselves after their water towers. And we have those pumping stations, but you needed to establish where to live by a body of water. If it be a river or some type of fresh water, that's, that's usually where a city would pop up. And so they started a tradition that when you're traveling that on the Sabbath, if there would be a group of you out there, it would be a pretty good bet that they're worshiping, they're doing something. So that tells us either there wasn't 10 Jewish men in Philippi, but more than likely, there wasn't 10 devout Jewish men who wanted to keep kosher, wanted to keep law and keep Torah. And so they would go out. And who did they find here? And on the Sabbath day, they went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. So again, we're not seeing the men that are there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. So she's a transplant. She's not from Philippi. And a seller of purple, that's a Well, it's a garment of royalty, the royalty we wear, but it's a very uh, sought-after color and a fabric, and we can see that she's a, a very astute businesswoman there and a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God and heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of of Paul. How do you start a conversation like that? You know, I'm finishing up teaching this session of personal witness training that I do every year. And just how to get into a conversation, and, and to talk to people about a relationship with God that makes them sure they'll go to heaven when they die. Well, here he's already got an in. They're worshiping God. They're they're there by the riverside, and now Paul's going to talk to them a little bit more. Aren't you? You just get into the. You can get into the conversation with anybody. I I did this last week traveling, uh, with other people there into the Bahamas. And what do you think about these end times? Or what do you think about the day and age? And what do you think's about going on here? Or, or a hurricane came through there a few years ago, so they're still recovering from this hurricane. I'm like, well, did you lose anybody? Or what was it like? And, 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 and well, you know, hey, pray. And I would just talk and say, praise God, you're, you're here. Why do you think God spared your life? Oh, I don't know. Well, I think so. I think that's why God brought me here. And they're like, what do you mean? Well, and I would just tell them a story. You know, a couple of weeks ago, a guy in my flight club just said, hey, you think we can take one of the club planes to the Bahamas?" We're like, oh, I think we can. And then a week later, we, four of us committed to it. And, and then four days before we go, we finally had a place to stay. We were still coming. We finally had a place to stay. And um, got a rental car. And, and I said, I think I'm here just to talk to you. Because we didn't plan this out. And we're here. I don't think I'm sitting in your restaurant or I'm in your store or I'm talking to you Uh, at this place because of coincidence, I believe God brought me here. What's going on in your life? And how come you didn't get blown away in the hurricane? And they're like, wow. You know, then I'm able to tell them, hey, before I had a relationship with God, (laughs) my life could best be characterized by empty. And And it's all over the world. How do you think this conversation started? They are already worshiping God. They're already waiting for the Messiah. And what if you hear news well, the Messiah came, and he lives forevermore. Let me tell you what happened. Now, listen, this is Rome, this Philippi, and, and news has traveled. This is some 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, they, are, they, they got the news. It was They finally got it. They know Everyone knows about what happened in Jerusalem. And so she's attending to them. Verse 14, And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard of us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of, of Paul. And when she was baptized in her whole household, she besought us, saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. None of this false humility. In other words, I'm just very aggressive here. Hey, come, come stay with me. I mean, my house, everybody, this is, this is what she's been preparing, and we're waiting for the Messiah and we're here, and, they, and, and Paul explains the way to them. She gives her life to the Lord, and she gets baptized 32 years later. And she gets baptized right away. That's important there. And, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel. So where, where are they going to prayer? If I go to the temple. Where are they going? Down by the riverside. You see that song? Come Down by the riverside. All right, you got it? going down by the riverside. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much gain by Susane. That same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days? But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, "I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." And he and he came out uh, out of her, and he came out that same hour. Well, isn't any publicity good publicity? Depends on who's who's promoting you. This, listen, this grieved Paul. Sometimes other Christians get upset with me. I, I don't know if he knows that. All right. And because I I'll, I'll might see a certain behavior, I might be seeing, and they're, and they're claiming to be a Christian, and yet they're doing these things, and it, and it does grieve me. It does grieve me, and that's why. That's why, because of this passage, just, let me just give you application. That's because of this passage, um, and there has been that I know that have had a demonic spirit, in and that has been cast out of them, but there's others that are just very carnal and they're claiming to be Christian because they're from Minnesota. That's the way they were raised. They go to a certain denominational thing. Uh, they do their chanting. They do their uh, praying to dead patriarchs or saints, and they're doing all these things, and they're, they're, they're saying, well, I'm a Christian, and then, and, and here's the thing. All they're doing is is they want to show you how cool they are to be a Christian, and they're showing you all the liberties they have in Jesus. Oh, they say as a Christian, well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. I'm like, wow, man. And so sometimes I ask them, I say, hey, could you do the team a favor? What? uh, Don't call yourself a Christian. Could you go represent the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses with what you're doing? Because you see, they're looking at the rest of us and they're thinking we're weird because we're not running and chewing and doing and going with girls who do. We're not you know, we're not doing the things that you're doing. You're representing Christianity, and the thing that you're representing is all your liberties, but not everyone in the body of Christ has the liberties that you seem to have. When are you gonna show them what it is to, to be obedient and, and walking with the Lord and denying yourself and thinking of the interests of others? When are you gonna start doing that part of the Bible? You, you think you're called to show people all the liberty and freedom that you have as a Christian to say, hey, being a Christian is fun, we're sinners and we were going to hell what what about salvation what about talking about sins others i've mentioned oh i'll never mention sin that just bums people out years ago you'd be that that would just harsh their mellow right that was just that's how people would talk and they goes, and i'm like but it would grieve me so I, sometimes i would call them out and then others would again have you had that happen to you sure it has Someone comes to you and goes, well, how come you're this way, but that person says they're a Christian and they do this and this and that. Now, you can't judge your salvation. We can't do that. And you just say, well, um, I don't know what part of the Bible they're reading. Maybe say that. Maybe say that. I I don't know what part of the Bible, what Bible they're reading and where they get in at, or if they are reading the Bible. Like, what do you mean? Well, I can tell you that behavior and then you can show them we're not to be participating in that behavior. How about, how about you share that with them? And then they go back to the one saying they are Christians and said, hey, talking to these other Christians, and I've had this, and they show them, that says, well, all these things right here are the fruits of darkness and of the evil one, and this is all you're doing. So you are in the Bible, but why are you doing this and that Christian isn't? We can't judge someone's salvation, but I can certainly, as Matthew chapter 7 says, I can inspect the fruit. I can look at that. And I can say, hey. And so here, he casts them out. And this demonic spirit comes out of her. And so sometimes when people will say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm this, like, uh, settle down. Not, not, uh, listen, I was a young Christian. I was doing a lot of ridiculous things. And then the people around me, like my best friend, Mike Fernandez, and they would say, he's young in the Lord. He's learning. And then I would go, oh, he'll get it eventually. But, not 32 years later. Not still doing the same thing 32 years later. I, I have Christian friends who, who are still doing the same things we did as young Christians, and they've never, because they just stay there. They don't know their Bibles. Uh, they attend a church. They're not servants. Not even, not even close to being a volunteer. Uh, it's a social cleansing thing. And they're still doing the exact same things. This, this struck me after being a Christian for for three and a half years, out on a missions trip, or we're doing outreach in in Mexico. And and another brother came to me who was on this trip as well. We're doing a short-term mission. And and he comes to me and he's and he's upset. I like, what are you upset about? He goes, Well, it just seems like you get everything you want. It looks like you're doing good. And and this is just three and a half years of being a Christian. Him and I came to Calvary Chapel Oceanside. At, on the very same Sunday. We didn't know that. So you might show up here today, and you're new, but and you think everyone's been here before you. I like it when more and more people come, and new people come, and they're sitting next to new people, and I just sit here and laugh because they're both waiting for the other person to talk to them because, you know, you're new here. You shouldn't be the one to initiate. I never knew that rule. That's why I never waited, but, but you're waiting. But you don't. And I would just watch, and so sometimes I'll see people, and I'll just walk up and say, hey, you know, both of you are new here today. You're both here this or Sunday. <gasps> really? Oh, and then we see that happen in their lives. Kim and I came to church on the exact same Sunday. And him and I missed the exact same amount of Sunday services, whether we were, uh, because of the Marines are doing whatever, but him and I attended the exact same church, listened to the exact same messages for three and a half years. And, and, and his life was just a total mess. And me, I'm excelling. I'm doing stuff. I've already been raised up. I'm a deacon in the church. I'm I'm elder in a brother's house. I'm doing all these stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm assisting my pastor within three and a half years, the exact same Sunday. And here we are in this other country in Mexico. And, and he's like, I just don't understand it. And I go, like, well, okay, I, I know you're saved, but why, why don't we just go through the, the checklist? Let's look at all the things I've done and all the things that you've done or haven't done, and let's just see where we are. We've listened to the exact same amount of sermons on Wednesdays and Sundays. So, but you know, when my pastor started an intern program, you weren't there. And when my pastor started a servants' class, you weren't there. And when my pastor started a counseling ministry and we had to read all his books, you weren't there. And when we started this evangelism, this outreach on Friday nights and, uh, out on the streets, you weren't there. I, I, all I can do is I can tell you all the places you weren't at because I was at those things. So when I was doing all this, where were you? I kid you not. <laughs> I don't think I've ever have said this before. It's just coming to my mind right now. I've been sowing seeds for marriage. Yeah, I just, this is confusing. What? I'm sowing seeds for marriage. I have to be where, now, he didn't say this, but this is how I heard it. I have to be where the ladies are. <laughs> he was at all the concerts. He was at all the Disneyland events. He was uh, literally, Disneyland would have a Christian night once he aired there in California. He was at all the places he was sowing. He was so, I need, I, I can't do anything else until I'm first married. I'm like, I, okay, so you've missed out on every discipleship, every opportunity to grow in your faith. I was there. I didn't see you there. When our pastor was, again, uh, helping us find our, our gifts and our callings and maximizing those things, you weren't around. You, you weren't, it, well, our pastor challenged us one time. He, he looked at me and says, this, this seems to be a call upon your life and you're gonna be teaching the Bible. This was like a, a Sunday after church breakfast and a bunch of us there and, and, and uh uh, this is really weird. Christians would go out after church on Sunday and go to breakfast or, or hang out and, and eat with one another. Now we don't have to do that. Isn't it great? We can just go home and get online and see each other. So really cost saver right there. all right? But I think the 150 bucks a month you're spending on your internet, I think if you, you could probably have a few good meals on that one and actually see people in, per- in person. I've got some pictures that I took when I was in the Bahamas, and I, I, if you would like to see them, it's just like you and I were there together, right? I'll show you all the food I ate. It'll be, it'll be the same thing. You weren't there. You were, again, sowing seeds for marriage. Well, well, what does that look like? You weren't there in all the places that, again, that was offered for the resources of the church. You, you just, it, it wasn't that... It wasn't that you were doing wrong things, maybe, but you just weren't doing anything. You weren't involved. I mean, he was always around. Whenever we were getting together for events or for, for, for podlucks or men's conferences or whatever, he, you know, he'd be there for all the fun, but he wasn't there mowing the, the church lots. He wasn't there for any work parties. He wasn't there for anything service-wise. And so this is after three and a half years of being a Christian. I said, well, and I wasn't being mean to him. I said, well, let's, let's just go through it. See, I'm in the midst of serving God and doing these things. I'm not noticing who's not around. I'm not noticing who's not around. I'm, I'm there. I'm excited with the people that I'm there. And then I always thought this guy was around because, you know, I'd see him at church on Sundays and Wednesdays and I'd see him at, you know, some of the other events. So it always looked like he was around doing something, but he wasn't there actually doing it. And then is that, that Sunday breakfast, As my pastor says, listen, you're probably, you know, you're, you're, you're doing really good. I was teaching the children's ministry. He goes, why don't you do something? He goes, why, why don't you just read through the Bible again and outline every book of the Bible and have those in your notes? All right. And I've been doing that ever since. I just outlined. I said, when our pastor, again, this guy was at the same breakfast, why didn't he do it? He had the exact same breakfast. And our, and our pastor's challenging us young men, and he just goes, why don't you outline every book of the Bible, outline stuff, like, find your best verse, find what it is, and, and try to figure out the theme. Don't, don't use a study Bible. Don't, the, come and read it for yourself and, and tell me what you think it means, where the conclusion is, and, and, and do that. Do you know the hardest book in the Bible for me to outline was? Gospel of John. Because you have to go all the way to chapter 20 to find out why John wrote the gospel to John. It's pretty easy. Every other book of the Bible, it's right there. This, and it's actually in the name that it's named, especially in the Old Testament. John, I just read, I, must, I read John a dozen times. And finally, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. These things were written, like, ah! Why didn't you put that in the beginning like everybody else? And then I would go to my pastor and i go, why did he put it in the beginning? And my pastor says, because God knew someday you were gonna read it. <laughs> and you needed to read it a dozen times. Did it, did it hurt you? Did it hurt you to read the Gospel of John 20 times to find out the answer? No. <laughs> but all the others were easy. Revelation, easy. First verses, not only that, this is why it was written, but you'll get blessed. Could not understand a word of Revelation. Until I read through the Old Testament and until I outlined every book of the Old Testament, I read through the book of Revelation like, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's an Old Testament termed book. There's none of the terms have changed. They're all used there in, in, in the book of Revelation. I go, oh, I totally get that. And then I, I go to my pastor, you tricked me. No, I didn't go to him and say, you tricked me. But, uh, but uh, you tricked me. You got me to read the whole Bible just so I could understand the book of Revelation. No, he didn't say that. I'm like, I understand the book of Revelation. I'm like, so you had me outline the whole Bible just so I could understand the book of Revelation? He goes, well, you're gonna understand some other things too. You're not there. So these are the things. I was discipled, and I took every opportunity that was at my church, my pastor was offering to spend time with people. He goes, hey, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. Who wants to be there? I want to hang out with my pastor. I'm going to be where my pastor's at. I'm going to start this class. Who wants to do it? I'm right there. He would just, in fact, he would, he would put things out and my name was already printed on the first line. He already knew I was going to be there. Oh, <gasps> predestination. <laughs> yeah. You see, he cast the demon out. You might have to talk to some people. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of the enemy, Proverb says. And I'm like, I, I, I can only say, because, but, and here's the thing, why are you getting everything you want? Well, I said, because my wants have changed. See, you're sowing seeds for marriage. God knows I want to be married. I don't even have to work on that. It tells me in Matthew chapter six, verses 33 and 34. Seek first the kingdom of God and his desires. F- seek God first. Matthew chapter six, verses 33 and 34. And then, you'll get all the desires you your heart. See, because in one of those discipleship classes, my pastor says, and he looks at me and goes, you want to you get whatever you want? Oh, I do. You want to, yeah, you, God, has to give you whatever you pray for. Are you ready? He goes, yeah. And I want you to just seek God first, Matthew 6, 33 and 34, and do that. And I started it currently. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray all the time. And then it was like, after a while, uh, I'm actually praying for the things God wants me to have. And he's given. So that's why it looks like I get everything I want. Not what I was thought I needed and what I had it, but my whole, and, and that time with prayer, prayer does not change the mind and the will of God. It gets me in the line and the will of God. And so all my wants and needs, what I thought were needs and desires, all those things I thought that I needed and I wanted, I just started praying and being in that time of prayer and my whole desires changed. And now I'm asking him for things. I need more boldness to go, uh, you might not think about it, but I need more boldness. You know, to go to Mexico and share the gospel. God, empower me with your Holy Spirit so I can go share the gospel and the good news with them. I asked this one bro, and I'll finish as I'll move on. So you've spent three and a half years praying for God to give you more creative seeds for marriage and how to, that, that's been your prayer life? Yeah. I said, well, I can't help you, man. It, it's not that I get everything I want. I'm just at a point in my life now have stayed there. I just want everything God has for me. And so here, this woman brought him a lot of money. Verse 19, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace of the rulers and brought them to the magistrates. You know what I'm going to say here, right? Follow the money. This woman was in bondage. She was in torment, and they knew it. But it brought them money, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans, they're in Philippi. We're Romans here. These are Jews. We're Romans here. So they're going to use the law. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to be beat. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in shackles. So there was all different levels of prison. They're in the deepest part of the dungeon part of prison and shackles. And at midnight, Silas, Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard him. I don't think they're getting the plot. It's not fair. All right. Verse 26, so they're singing, they're praising God. They're they're in a bad situation with a lot of other people. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. You see, If the jailer lost a prisoner, he had to do their time. So if they were sentenced to death, the jailer would die. If he lost the prisoners, he had to do their time. There was an incentive program to make sure jailers didn't go soft on anybody. And so here, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Never seen anything like this. We've seen the miraculous happen there. And brought him out and said, and you're thinking, well, this is just a Bible story. No, there, I met a guy who's a chaplain. We are at a chaplain's conference for police chaplain, law enforcement. And he's the chaplain up in Lady Smith, Wisconsin. They have a one cell jail there. And he is the, the jailer. And literally, his wife makes the food for the, whatever inmate is there. And as the jailer, who's ever in jail because he can't be there on Sunday, brings the inmates to to church with him. I go, you could do that. And he goes, yeah. Your county sheriff here could take any inmate out of jail and take him to church with him. There's no law against that. And he says, well, do you want to go? We're going to go Sunday. Bre- you know, we're going to go to Sunday breakfast. I mean, this, this is gonna, you can either stay here. Or you can go with me and go to church, get breakfast, get food. You know all the good food you've been having? That's my wife's been cooking all that. And I'm like, no, you really do that? And he leads people to the Lord. Now, if you know lady Sith, Wisconsin's a bunch of drunk snowmobilers or fishermen and all that stuff, but he leads them to the Lord. With what? His wife's great cooking. And they're like, yeah, I'm in jail. Yeah, t- you know, the drunk, tie this one off here. You need. And he would just sit there. The Guys say, isn't there a law against this? He goes, law against what? He goes, "Uh, you know, telling me about Jesus and you're a jailer? He goes, no, no, there's not a law. But there is a law about getting drunk at a bar and getting in a fight and beating people up. There is a law about that. That's why you're here. (laughs) And you just got to do your time, man. Up in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. You got to go see it when you're there. So the jailer takes him out. Just come come with me. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. So here they were in Philippi, a Roman colony, Rome. They already got the message. Christianity has been spreading across. This person must have been in some type of God fair or whether he was a pantheist, uh, believing in many gods as the Romans. But he knew something. He says, how, how can I get saved? He's already been listening. This is, this is insider lingo. He's already been listening to Paul. Might have already heard him down by the riverside or in, in, in the town or whatever, and he, he's sharing the gospel, and now it gets to this point. How can I be saved? And he spake unto, unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. He says here, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. This isn't one of those promises. You believe in Jesus, and your old house will be saved. This is prophecy and a word of knowledge to this guy. Many take a look at that. I've seen many of families destroyed because someone goes, I'm praying a prayer. God owes me. Uh, Acts 16, 31, uh, my whole household's gonna get saved. My whole household's gonna get saved. And why aren't you saved yet? I prayed this prayer and they get mad at God and when their family members die or they, they reject them and they don't come to Christ, then they're like, God, you said. He said to the jailer. So you see this miraculous things going on here. This happened. When I got to be part of my dad on his deathbed, he gave his life to the Lord and lived for a couple more days, and then, and, then, and then family members are coming. I said, what's gonna happen next? All of a sudden, they're mocking me for the whole week that I'm there. Now what's gonna happen? He really did give his life to Jesus, and everyone heard it. Another miraculous story for another time, but everyone heard it. And I said, what's gonna happen? I said, well, my two aunties are coming from New York. I think God's gonna allow him to stay alive so he can say goodbye to them. And sure enough, they did. Oh, and that all happened. And what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden, you know, now I've got some street cred with him, right? Now, what's going to happen next? And that's the whole th- prophecy and the word of knowledge. He said, what I, I, what I desire to happen, but here's what I he know is going to happen. So he told the jailer. So don't take Acts 16, 31. Many people are still upset and angry at God because he didn't come through with his promise. This is Paul prophesying, talking to the jailer. This is another miraculous thing. When I led my auntie to the Lord in Chicago, traveling across the country, and, and, and I'm like, well, I'm trying to go to New York or maybe I'm gonna go to Florida. I don't know which way I'm gonna go from here. And she goes, well, and she got saved on a Friday. I took her to church on Sunday, got her plugged into a church there. And, and then Sunday night, she goes, what are we gonna do? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I need money. So I need a job. If I'm gonna stay here, I need to get a job. I said, well, then let's just pray. Let's just pray. And I left 7.30 that morning, rode my motorcycle down the street, and there was a big sign, Carpenters Wanted. Rode my bike in there. Guy says, yeah, I'll hire you. You got tools? Well, I brought my framing hammer with me to try to have my tent stakes in. He goes, well, if you show up with a tool belt, you know, speed square, tape, tape measure, and a plum, uh, and a cat's paw, I only had 60 bucks left on me, so I went and bought them all, showed up the next day, and I said, well, as long as I can use your saws and I can do everything else. He goes, yeah, not a problem. Ended up running the cruise for a couple of weeks. So I left at 7.30, and I came back at 8 a.m. to my auntie's house before she left for work, she goes, well, aren't you gonna go look for a job? Got one. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you think happened to her faith? She's with the Lord to this day. She saw God work. So this is this thing. This is this prophecy to him. What do you think is going to happen to this jailer's life? He says, You're going to get saved and you're in your whole house. That's a prophecy, not a desire, but he told him this is what's going to happen. And, and then they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and baptized. And he was baptized, he and all, and his, uh, and he, uh, all his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent to the Seedrants, uh, saying, let these men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, praise the Lord, right? Learn this. The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul, said, Paul, he had something waiting for him. You got, if you got something in the holster, you wait for it. I like Paul here. Look what he says. Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans. I thought, Jews I thought you were Jews we are Jewish but we're Roman citizens we're natural born Roman citizens and you're going to see this over and over with Paul because he talks to soldiers in Jerusalem he's going to talk to this jailer and go like I had to buy my citizenship Paul says no born and bred Roman I'm Jewish see Jews not a uh, it's not a state it's not a country it's ethnicity, it's, it's, I'm Jewish, but I'm a Roman, I'm Roman. Be in Romans, so they're in Rome, in Philippi, and you're not supposed to do this to Romans. Be in Romans and have cast us into the prison. Now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily, I like the King James, nay, verily, but let them come to themselves and fetch us out. Wait a minute, this, you don't understand, they're letting you go. Yeah, they shouldn't have done this. Let him come and do this. What do you think this is doing to this guy? Say, No, man, go. You got your freedom. No. And the caesars told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Uh Uh-oh. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart. Desired. Sorry. Can you go now? And when they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia, and where they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and then departed. You know, it's okay to use the law, folks. Many people get upset with me because I know the law. I know the Constitution. Why? I'm a former criminal. You got to know the laws. You got to know what law you're breaking and how to not break it and get right up to that point. Paul knew this. Paul knew why they were beating them, we're Romans, this is going to turn out bad for them. That's why when the, the governor and the attorney gangster, uh, Keith Ellison, general, uh, doing all this stuff, and I'll talk to my other buddies and just smile. I go, well, I know the law. I know the Minnesota State Charter. I know it inside and out. I know exactly everything about it. And what they're doing is this, this mandate or this executive order, it's, it's not gonna hold up. That's why I could never get when they hounded us for weeks on end about COVID and all these things and said, I just need an official letter from the attorney general's office stating what law is being broken here. I just, now they start at 609 in the Minnesota statutes, which one? Which one? Because the only law that I see being broken is statute 609, 735, which says it's illegal to conceal your identity in public, except for costumes or for an event, but you cannot hide your identity. Don't you remember if if someone walked into a bank with a mask, you were getting on the ground, weren't you? Now you walk into a bank, or it was, and you better put that mask on. Did I not? Who was here? Did I not, as your pastor tell you, when this mask mandate or people thinking you have any mask, did I not tell you there would be bank robberies and robberies going off like crazy? Say amen. amen. What happened? I would show up every week. Hey, because normally, just want to lay how to do this. I'll act this out when I... Normally with a guy in a mask kind of creeps up to the security car with the gun, the guy with this gun, and they're going, this isn't right. A guy should not come into to the bank with a mask on or a motorcycle helmet. But when everyone has to wear a mask, then they can go up to, and how did every bank robbery happen with the guard there with the gun? They knocked him out because you let a guy with a mask get next to you. Did it not happen? I foresaw that because of my past, I'm like, man, you know, robbers, paradise, I can walk around with my uniform on all day long. <laughs> Listen, Paul knew when they were beating him what was going to happen, and now we're going to see, he's able to come back to Philippi many, many times. They're like, oh, remember that time you beat me? Yeah, I'm going I'm to go over here and preach the gospel over here. You, do whatever you want, Roman citizen. And, and we're going to see the church of Philippi was one of the greatest supporters of all his other endeavors. That's why he, Paul told them in a promise, because of what you've done, God's going to supply our needs. Where God guides, God provides. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. We know the end, Lord, we win. That's why I can just smile and just take the beating and say, thank you, sir, may I have another. No matter what this world pours out, I know the end. And so, Lord, they don't. And I know what their end will be, so I want to share the good news with them. So thank you, Lord, for this flock. Thank you for what you're doing, Calvary Chapel, St. Paul. And may we just continue to bless each and every everyone else here, Lord, because the church is not the building, we're the church. In Jesus' name, amen.